Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. If you think this show is bad, I'll show you bad. Just look at any NFL referee. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you with another uh, hour of fun-filled pipe smoking excitement. Well, maybe not, but at least uh, that's what we think. Uh, In tonight's show, uh, in pipe parts, uh, rubbed out versus spun out. Rubbed out versus spun out, so you'll have to you have to stay on for that. My guest is a young pipe smoker from Sweden. His name is Ludwig Hawkinson, and we'll have uh, my discussion with him. And then uh, music, mailbag, and rant—all that coming up on uh, this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. And I am excited to announce that this year we will be doing the JDRF fundraiser auction again. And remember that the JDRF goes uh, benefits type 1 diabetics and research and finding a cure for people like my daughter all around the world. We will be doing that again this year. I will start the process now of gathering up donations. So if you have a donation Email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. I'm going to start hitting up all of uh, anybody out there that wants to donate. You know, Get me, the, get me the, uh, an email with what you've got, and we'll figure out how to get it to Steve Fallon and get this going hopefully by uh, you know, end of March, early April. I realize it's just now the end of January, and it's a little soon, but hey, I'm going to ask for everybody to reach deep, and uh, if you've got something laying around, if it's a tin of tobacco or a pipe or a lighter or whatever it is that you want to donate, maybe uh, maybe you got some uh, got some swag from a pipe show, a t-shirt or a hat or something like that. Whatever it is, you just email me we'll, and get it to me. Brian at PipesMagazine.com. Every dime that we can raise goes directly to JDRF. In fact, uh, my friend Steve Fallon the past couple of years has uh, donated the eBay fees. So 10 to 12% of whatever is sold, he's picked up that out of his own pocket to help out. So 100% of the proceeds go directly to JDRF. Uh, Again, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. We'll spend the month of February and uh, early March gathering that stuff up. So whatever you got, email me. Let me know. Greatly appreciate it. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. And we are back. All right. So the differences in a couple of different descriptions of tobaccos. Uh, So we all know we have flake tobaccos and then we have uh, blended tobaccos that are, you know, that are loose. They're not pressed in a flake. There's varied, uh, varied styles of loose tobaccos. The two I'm going to talk about right now are two different, uh, two different, completely different processes that end up being a loose tobacco but they start off as a cake so the uh, the blender takes the tobacco presses it into a very large cake sometimes 20 to 40 pounds and instead of cutting them like a flake they may not press them quite as long or as hard but they'll end up breaking them up into a loose mixture Uh, the names that we'll see are uh, spun out 
or the other type is uh, ready rubbed or rubbed out. And I'm going to ready rubbed and rubbed out are basically the same thing, just different meanings to them. So here's what happens. All right. The, the tobacco blender, the tobacconist, the manufacturer decides that, you know, instead of going all the way through the process of making this into a flake, because flakes have a, have a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a problem sometimes to, uh, to deal with a flake tobacco and you just want something where you can easily dip into the bowl and grab it. Um, I'll use, for example, the uh, McBaron HH Old Dark Fired that comes in a flake and comes in a rubbed out version or ready rubbed. Uh, sometimes the manufacturer just wants to make a different version of their tobacco that's a little easier on the, uh, on the bowl loading. So there's, there's two different processes. So they've got these cakes. They don't press them quite as long. Uh, they don't press them quite as hard because they know they don't need to. They don't need to cut them into those thinly sliced flakes or make them look all nice and neat and tidy. So what do they do? Well, there's two ways to handle it. One is by machine cutting them, which is what happens with the ready rubbed or the rubbed out version. And the other one is by spinning them out. Here's the difference between them. When you spin out a tobacco... Uh, you're actually taking that cake and applying some heat back to it and applying some moisture back to it and getting to getting it to expand and you're tossing it in a large cylinder, whatever it might be, a mixer, something, whatever, whatever type of device it is. And as you're doing that, you're slowly but surely loosening the, the manufacturer is slowly but surely loosening the edges of the of the cake. And they apply more heat and more steam or they just keep tumbling it longer until that cake, which, again, has not been pressed as hard as a uh, as a cake that would end up as a slice or a flake. But it just starts to loosen up and soften up. So. You're kind of taking, you know, again, you're just taking it and expanding it and softening it up and tumbling it and tumbling it and working it loose. Uh, it's very similar to what we do as pipe smokers with a, uh, with a flake tobacco where you're just, instead of crushing and cutting it, you're just rubbing it and twisting it and rubbing it out. Now, with a ready rubbed or a, uh, or a rubbed out version, what they're doing with that is instead of the uh, instead of the process of uh, of tumbling it and adding heat and steam to it, they may warm it up, but they're actually going to run it through a thrashing device, a cutting device of some sort that instead of making those very fine cuts is just kind of uh, mutilating it or beating on it. And that creates the that makes the cake start to break apart. Uh, it's a little faster and it's, uh, it's definitely less labor intensive to do it that way. Uh, it's a little more efficient when you can set the cutter to do it the way you want it to. You can, uh, you can adjust the cut on it. You can adjust the width. You can adjust the time in there a little easier. Uh, when you see a ready rubbed or a rubbed out, you know, it can be as, uh, as clumpy as something like the, uh, like again, like the HH Old Dark Fired Ready Rub, that's kind of clumpy. Uh, but when you see like an Orlick, uh, an Orlick Golden Slice rubbed out or uh, something like that, that's cut even further all the way down to what would look like a, you know, look, look like a, a, a hand blended mixture. But yet it's gone through the process of being a flake, uh, being a cake first. The benefits of being a cake first, it gets that extra marrying of the flavors. It gets that extra time sitting in the presses to kind of get all the oils out of all the tobacco and kind of merge them all together. Uh, it gets that all those kinds of benefits of a flake. But then when they go through the process of spinning it out or doing this ready rub mix to it, uh, it just loosens it up and it makes it easier for us as pipe smokers now one of the problems with doing a uh, doing a ready rubbed versus a spun out is again now you're cutting the or thrashing the tobacco again and you can run into varied sizes of leaf 
So most of the time what you're going to see out of a ready rubbed is something that is kind of clumpy. It's not going to be rubbed all the way out for you the way some of us may like it. But that's to protect the leaf from getting thrashed. Uh, if you see a version of a flake that is called like a mix or doesn't say ready rubbed on it, well, that's literally just the same tobaccos taken together. And instead of having it, uh, having it pressed all, you know, pressed at all, well, they've just taken the tobaccos, mixed them together and created a blend. And that's going to taste completely different than what the flake version would rubbed out. So let me just recap because there's a lot of information, and a lot of detail in there. A spun out blend is something that doesn't get cut or thrashed. It gets tumbled with heat and moisture applied to it to just loosen up and expand the cake and make it uh, and turn it into a ball of tobacco. Uh, a ready rubbed or a rubbed out mixture has machinery applied to it, has some sort of uh, some sort of thrashing or cutting of the flake, even though some heat and, and some steam may be applied back to the cakes. But that's how they just yeah, you know, that's how they machine cut it up. And again, it's it's personal preference on which blends you like and how you like them, but the difference is that the spun out gives you the whole length of the leaf inside the cakes without breaking it any further. The other versions, you're cutting or shortening the leaf slightly. There you go. Hope that's uh, clear as mud. Um, <laughs> it, uh, you know, it does make a difference when you start looking at the blends and looking at the blends you like and the styles that you like. So maybe that'll help some of you as you're looking at a tin of tobacco and go, okay, was it rubbed out or spun out? Well, we'll figure it out. All right. In uh, just a minute, Ludwig Hawkinson. This is internet radio. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 Collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking Archibaldino red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and I'm excited because our our guest is from Sweden, but currently in California, my old my old home area. But uh, he's young, he's talented, and I'll, I'll leave it up to the women to decide whether or not he's good looking. Uh, but Ludwig Hawkinson, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for the kind words. I'm happy to be on the show. Did I pronounce your name correctly? Yeah, perfectly. Okay. And you are, uh, where Where did you grow up in Sweden? I grew up in a city called Borås. It's like an hour away from Gothenburg. Pretty small town. When you mean a small town, how small are we talking about? Hmm. I don't really know how small, but it's not as big as Gothenburg, that's for sure. <laughs> so when you were when you were growing up, your parents knew everybody in the town, and if you got into trouble, everybody knew about it? No, it wasn't that small. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the weather is, the sun is finally shining out here. It's been raining for like, it's been pouring down the last couple of days in California. Yeah, so you're you're in California. Let's jump right ahead and and talk about why are you in California now? Okay, I'm here for skateboarding. I'm trying to film this video part for a shoe company. So you you are a professional or semi-professional skateboarder? 
Yeah, it's semi-professional, I guess you can call it. So it's it's pretty nice. It's a lot of work. This video part. It's like you gotta keep trying hard because you want it to be like a next level thing. Because it's not just on Insta if you really wanna like perform. So I had I've been struggling like this last weekend. I was trying like a trick for maybe four hours, just continually trying it over and over again. I didn't get it, so we're gonna go back this weekend because uh, the weather is better now. So try to go for it again. Yeah, and, and of course, at the time we're recording this, uh, all of Southern California has just had some record rains, and <laughs> and you come all you come all the way to Sweden to go to sunny Southern California, and there's no sun. <laughs> yeah, it feels just like being back in Sweden. Yeah, yeah, except the sun is staying up longer. Yeah, yeah uh, that's good. So how did you uh, how did you become a professional or semi professional skateboarder? Well, well, I've been skating for like um, twelve years now, and I guess it's because of the Instagram, just getting to know the right people from there. And it's my fifth time coming out to Los Angeles, so I've been there a couple of times, and I got to meet the right people, and I got some shoes, and I got some uh, free boards going. So that's kind of how it worked out. So does that mean that you're also pretty good and can do some of those tricks that if I tried them, I would probably break my head? <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, you got to know what you're doing, you know, when you take the falls and stuff, so you fall the correct way. <laughs> I, I just found it was easy just to fall. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's easy to fall, but then you got to try not to get hurt, you know? Oh, well... Uh, is is skateboarding fairly popular in Sweden? Yes, it is. It's very popular, actually. Seems to be pretty popular across the whole world, kind of now. It's like a big trend going on. Well, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll get back into it in the in the old people's league. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You used to be a skater back in the day, right? Uh, well, yeah, forty years ago when I was young and. I still fell down very well. I didn't fall down good. I just fell down. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so when did uh, so you started skating as a as a youngster? Is the is, is a skateboard a normal way of transportation for you when you're at home? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a good way to get out around the city when it's not raining, you know. But I mostly drive my car to the to different skate spots. I got a pretty nice car, actually. It's an old Mercedes from the early 80s. Uh, that's fancy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so when did you start smoking a pipe? started smoking a pipe when I was 18. That's the legal age of smoking in Sweden. But I was always like, even when I was a kid, I would walk around with a pipe in my mouth because my grandpa was a pipe smoker, so... Me growing up, I would walk around in his house, and he had like he had three pipes. So I would usually go to the mirror and take a look at these pipes. So one was a billiard, one was a Canadian, and one was a bent pipe. So I would go to the mirror and look like, hmm, which shape goes back with, best with my face, and look at it <laughs> like that. Pretty funny. <laughs> and your grandfather did not. He didn't get mad at you for playing with his pipes. <laughs> no, he thought it was funny. <laughs> um, is pipe smoking uh, I, I guess when you're during your grandfather's time there was a lot of pipe smokers in Sweden yes uh, is it still as popular or uh, no 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 it's like uh, very rarely you see a pipe smoker and I get very excited when I see one it's pretty cool and, and are they usually older people, or are they are they yeah. kids your age? <laughs> always, always older people. <laughs> uh, Funny to talk to them and see. Like I was talking to this one guy; it was pretty cool. I was uh, been smoking a pipe for twenty five years, and he would only use matches. And he would like get it right the first time. I mean, using matches are very difficult. Use I mean, sometimes it takes me a whole box of matches to light a pipe. <laughs> so, so did he show you how to use the matches correctly yeah sort of i mean he had the pipe the the match was kind of like he had it in the back of his hands it would keep away from the wind so it worked for him that way i don't know 
<laughs> he's a uh, he's a traditional uh, strong Viking that was used to the weather and could light a pipe with one match in the wind. Yep, exactly. That was it. So, how did you go about learning how to smoke a pipe? Through the internet, watching videos on YouTube. So, yeah, you young kids, you had it easy. <laughs> how did you learn it? Well, I had uh, I had all the old people in the pipe shop that would teach me how to do stuff and show me how to do it and try it and try it again and then when oh, I could, yeah, that's cool. no the the first time I smoked a pipe I almost burned my entire face because I had no idea what I was doing and I didn't ask anybody. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. I, I thought, well, it looks like a cigarette. I just put the tobacco in there and light it. And, well, that was the end of that pipe. Uh, what kind of tobacco did you start out with? I started out with a McBaron Original Choice. Seemed like a good tobacco to start out with. An aromatic blend. Yep. But it wasn't really it for me. So I tried a couple of different drugstore blends and... Uh, I found this one that I really like. It's called, it's a Swedish tobacco. It's called uh, Count Hamilton's Mixture. And this tobacco has been around since uh, 1924. So wow. it's really old and it's very good. It's a Virginia blend. And this is the tobacco that my grandpa smoked and both of my dad's grandfathers smoked these ones. And uh, my mom, one of my mom's grandpas smoked this as well. So. All of my family's been smoking this one, so it's it's really cool. So it only makes sense that you smoke it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, where do, in at home? Where do you go to buy tobacco? A local tobacco shop, but I usually I actually buy tobacco at the airport because it's way cheaper. So I buy like five packs of this one for the price of like two of them in like a tobacco shop. So the airport yeah. is very good for that. So every time you travel, you stop and buy it at the at the duty free and yeah, exactly. And then hope it lasts until your next trip. <laughs> yep. Uh, in U.S. dollars, do you know about how much one pouch of tobacco is at your tobacco shop? Yeah, one pouch would be around um, maybe twenty twenty. $24. Okay. So, so then at the airport, you can buy five pouches for $50 and you've saved a bunch of money. Yeah. Actually at the airport, I buy them for like uh, $35, five packs. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm interested. Do you know, is that tobacco that you, your, your favorite tobacco, is that made in Sweden or is it made somewhere else? I think it's made in Sweden. Let's see. I got the pouch right in front of me. Yeah, it's from this Canadian tobacco group. Okay. The name of the tobacco group. It's made in Denmark, it says. So they took over the the old classic brand, and they still make it for the Swedish market. Yeah, exactly. All right. We are going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk about... Uh, well, maybe we'll get into some more skateboarding and uh, more pipes for sure, but we've also got to talk about art. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell & Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor, and delightful aroma that makes Autumn Evening so well-loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. 
We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with uh, with Ludwig from Sweden, who is now in Southern California. Uh, so, so you crossed right over me on the way there. Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you're when you're in Los Angeles, will you get a chance to maybe go to a, go to one or two of the cigar shops? Yeah, I was actually thinking. I got a, a friend in Santa Ana. He's gonna take me to the the last tinderbox. So that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, I know that one well in the uh, Costa Mesa Mall. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. I think I'm gonna get a new pipe. <laughs> They've got a good selection. Uh, awesome. Do you also you also smoke cigars occasionally? Occasionally, yes, but kind of rarely. I mostly smoke the pipe. Yeah, and I guess a lot of that is because of the price of the cigars. Are, they're outrageously priced. Yeah, they really are. And plus, I don't have a, a humidor, so i got to smoke them right away. Well, in, in California, you can just leave them out for a while. So. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh. Especially with all the rain. Right. <laughs> um, when you're at home... How often do you get a chance to smoke your pipe? Is it something you do every day? Almost every day, I say. I say every other day I smoke around two or three bowls. And so I just moved. My grandpa recently passed away, so I'm living in his house now. So I have a whole house to myself. And he's got a nice patio, so I usually go out there to smoke. And even in the winter, you go out there to smoke? Yep. <laughs> and and as I looked at the uh, as I looked right now as we're talking the weather right now in Boros is uh, 26 degrees Fahrenheit and clear so that's um, minus two Celsius. Yeah, and that's cool. That's probably a very nice January day. Yeah, exactly. Just put out a big coat on and go out and smoke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is smoking a, is smoking your pipe something that you do more as a as to take a break or to relax at the end of the day? Yes, it is for sure. Usually, I get up work around four, and then I go home and have a pipe. So that's the way I unwind. And what do you do for work? I'm a bricklayer, actually. So you're a, so you're an artist with bricks. Yep. <laughs> And then you're also doing some of your own painting that you're gonna you're gonna have to tell me about this. Yes, exactly. I'm an abstract painter, so meaning I don't really paint any objects. It's mostly like shape and color. So I start just start with a blank canvas, and I never know where I'm gonna end up. So I paint on it, and then I when I feel like well, I don't know what to do with it anymore, I step away from it, and then I come back like an hour later. And I see what I gotta make, like different moves, and all of a sudden it's finished. And yeah, that's the painting right there. And are your paintings for sale, or do you just do them for fun? Yes, they are for sale. I got a an Instagram page. It's called uh, Ludwig's Consts. It's um, L U D V I G K O N S T. And I I got some works for sale there. Because I'm looking at some of yours on, on your Facebook feed, and they are—I mean, they're, they're beautiful. I wish I had, wish I had a better screen to see them with. Oh, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. And, I usually paint pretty big ones because it's more fun to paint big ones. Like this winter, I did a really big one, like a, just a roll of canvas. I had it on the floor, and I was able to walk around. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> And that's something that you can do indoors during the bad weather where working working with bricklaying is all outdoors. Yes, exactly. Like when I'm working in a construction, we usually go indoors during the winter and we, we work with tiling bathrooms and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, anything, <laughs> <laughs> anything to not be on the, on the outside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, are there, how many pipes do you own? I have around 15 pipes, which three of those are from my grandpa. And then I got the, one of my favorite pipes is the, a Playboy pipe I found on the internet. There. 
couple of weeks ago. It's the pipe that Hugh Hefner used to smoke. Yep, and he sold that brand in uh, in catalogs and in the magazine in the '60s. Yeah. <laughs> so is that what you uh, is that what you smoke when you're out with the ladies? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's got a nice bunny logo on it. Can you have you figured out how to smoke your pipe while riding your skateboard? <laughs> no, I haven't. I smoke cigars when I skate sometimes, though. That's easier. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then then you don't have to worry about falling with your pipe. Exactly. I went to Paris a couple of years ago, and I was just skating around the city, smoking a cigar. It was really nice. Oh, yeah, I love Paris. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, let's go back to skateboarding again, because you said you were having you you need to get this one trick filmed. What exactly is the trick? Yes, it's a, a backside lip slide on a, an electrical box. So we built the ramp. My friend's got a van, so we got this ramp in the back of his van. And then we put up to, to this uh, electrical box, which is about the height to the shoulder, shoulder height. So I've got to jump onto this thing and then slide across it and then uh, land on the board, hopefully. <laughs> for, for those of us that have a hard enough time just staying on top of the board... Now you're now you're trying to jump onto utilities with it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, don't do you don't don't smoke your pipe while trying to do that because you'll end up breaking the pipe. Yeah, breaking myself too, maybe. Yeah. Uh, being being that you're uh, as young as you are, is there a pipe that you dream about owning one day? Yes, I'd like to have a Castello pipe. Those are really cool. Very expensive though. It, do you uh, do you have any other Italian pipes, or do you do you prefer Italian? Yeah, I got the three seven L pipes, and one's uh, the Bing's favorite pipe. That's a really cool pipe. I like that one a lot. That one a lot. And I have a, a downhill pipe too. It's a group uh, group three downhill root tire. It's very nice. So you so you've got you've got quite a collection now, and. Uh, is it hard for you when you're traveling like this to figure out which pipe you want to take with you? Yes, it really is. <laughs> I brought, brought four pipes on this trip, and uh, that's enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes it takes longer to figure out which pipe than what clothes you're going to bring. <laughs> yeah, it really does. I was uh, The other night, I was like, oh, man, I should have brought the Bing's favorite pipe. I was really missing that one. <laughs> so now you you've smoked a pipe in Paris. You uh, you've smoked a pipe in Los Angeles. Are there any other big cities that you've been to? Or? Um, no, that's pretty much it. I usually go to um, to Los Angeles when I have the money and the time to travel. It's very I like it a lot out here, but uh, I got to deal with a long flight, and that's no fun. No, that's got to be twelve hours, maybe. Yeah, twelve hours. Yeah. No, that that is that's no fun. Uh, no, no. After about six or seven hours, I want to get off. Yeah, me too. Do you travel with your own skateboard too? Yeah. And does that go in a suitcase and underneath, or does it come in the plane with you? It goes in a suitcase. I'm able to fit uh, four about four boards into it, so it's a big suitcase. So you have four boards, four pipes, and and maybe some clothing. Yeah, a bunch of clothing in there. <laughs> uh, how long will you be in the in Los Angeles for? I will be here for another four weeks, and then I go back. Wow. Yeah. It's uh, nice to get away from the snow. <laughs> get away from the snow and go to the rain and. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it looks good now, though. I'm uh, I'm staying in Silver Lake. It's a very nice area. Yeah. So usually in the morning, I fill up my pipe and I take a walk around the lake. It's very nice. I know that area well. Um, yeah. Sometimes, cool. sometimes you don't want to be out too late at night by yourself, but right. <laughs> but in the morning, you're you're perfectly fine. Yes, it's very nice. 
Uh, are there any, uh, with all the traveling you've done, are there any foods that you've found in Los Angeles that are very strange to you? Mm, no, not really. I like most of the food. I like uh, in and out It's very good. <laughs> yes. Okay, good. Okay, good. All right, you can stay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in and out was where we used to go after after school on when high school and then after in college after drinking a lot you'd go to in and out burger <laughs> that sounds good yeah yeah uh, so what is the uh what what is your goal with the skateboarding is it to do more you know get more professional or yeah i guess so i mean i want to continue travel here to los angeles and uh Maybe eventually I'm hoping to move out here because it's really, I like it a lot here. So just continue to skate and paint and see whatever happens. Well, you won't be the only, uh, you, you won't be the only skateboarding artist in Los Angeles, but you may be the only skateboarding artist that smokes a pipe in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, I took the train to Irvine the other day and I was sitting on the station smoking and this old man comes from, comes to me and he says, uh, I think it's the only time in my lifetime that I've seen the combination of a skateboard and a pipe smoker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, except, uh, well, Jason Dagner is also a, a, a former skateboarding. And All right. Pipe yeah, smoker. I've seen him on YouTube. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you must get some people that look at you, especially in Los Angeles, smoking outdoors. People will look at you funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they really do. Me and my friend, uh, we were drinking at a Korean barbecue the other night, and uh, I actually managed to smoke the pipe in the restaurant. No one said anything. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't throw you out. <laughs> no, it was fine. <laughs> uh, at home in Sweden, can you smoke inside the bars? No, we can't. No, so... It's not like in Denmark where they have certain bars that have a small room for smoking. No. Well, there are some rooms for smoking actually in the bars, but it's very rarely. Yeah. So outside you go in under the heater if you want to. Yeah. Um, what is a uh, if if somebody was to come to Sweden? What is be, obviously besides the fact that the summer the weather is nicer is there a good is there a better time of the year to go yeah during the summer probably like july is usually very nice and, and then the sun goes down at 11 o'clock or midnight and comes up at 4 a.m yeah exactly the sun is up for a very long time it's like the opposite to the winter where it's barely get any light at all yeah, and that's why the coffee and the uh, that's why the coffee is good and the drinks are strong. <laughs> yep, exactly. So, uh, and then someday soon, maybe we'll see your art hanging in a gallery. Yeah, hopefully. Did you go? Did you get any training for art when you were in school, or did you just figure it out? No, I figured it out. There's a bunch of good uh, interviews with famous old painters on YouTube, so. That's where I get most of my inspiration from, like Frank Stella and Larry Poons, people like that. So you are literally the uh, the modern age, uh, the modern age of uh, learn it on the internet and then try it at home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds wonderful, Ludwig. We will wrap this up with the fast five final questions, and there's no right answer or wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is your favorite pipe? The Playboy pipe. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, tell us again, what is your favorite tobacco? The Count Amuthal's mixture. I'm looking forward. I'll, I'll have to try and see if I can find it when I'm in Europe next time. Yeah, you should. Uh, what is your favorite drink? Uh, gin and tonic. That's very British of you. Do they do they have gin in in Sweden? Oh yeah, it's very popular. Okay, good. Yeah. Not like not like a traditional Scandinavian schnapps. Uh, no. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Mm, 
music, I think. I like Frank Sinatra. You are a very old soul in a very young body. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory that we didn't talk about? Mm, no, I guess it's, it's got to be when I met that one pipe smoker, that old guy with the matches, showing me how to light the pipe with matches. Yeah, that you might have to do a YouTube video on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then finally, please tell us where can we follow you on Instagram again and YouTube and all that stuff. My Instagram is just uh, Ludwig. That's all it says. That's easy. And I got, I got um, skateboarding on there and I got art and a bunch of stuff. And do you have a YouTube channel as well? No, I don't. Mostly use Instagram. There you go. Thank you very much for coming on and doing this, and uh, and I, I appreciate it very much and taking time out of your uh, out of your day, and especially for you know, waking up early because you're a young guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure, Brian. Happy to be on it. But uh, keep doing what you're doing, and I look forward to seeing you somewhere in the future. Okay, great. Thank you. And we'll be back in just a minute. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite, or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking Pipes, in faithful service of the hobby. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. I, you know, I say it every time we have somebody young on, but a 20 something from Sweden that is out visible amongst the young people with his pipe and his skateboard. And I just love having these guys on. I love getting their perspective. I mean, just the, the fact that he's thrilled to have a Playboy pipe is just. I mean, really, really cool to me. And, you know, Playboy and my Disney pipes, that's not too far apart. <laughs> They're both kind of fantasy worlds. But, again, it gives me hope for the, uh, you know, hope for the hobby to continue on long past as uh, as us older guys are uh, starting to uh, <laughs> starting to come down to the bottom of our bowls, shall we say. Uh, I just get, I get excited every time I talk to these guys. And I hope that maybe uh, Ludwig, through his, uh, you know, through his skateboarding and social media stuff, can, you know, maybe recruit or uh, expose a few new people to the world of uh, pipes and pipe tobacco. All right, for music, instead of young guys, we go way old, and this comes from uh, courtesy of our uh, our uh, musical director Dino. Uh, it's a uh, pipe smoker, Charles Mingus, as part of the Red Novo Trio. The song is called the September Song, which, uh, uh, according to Dino, was done was written by Kurt Weil, who also smoked a pipe. So both Charles Mingus playing a uh, piece written by a pipe smoker, and here we go.
was Charles Mingus, M-I-N-G-U-S, playing the bass. If you want to find more on Charles, there's stuff on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, uh, just a prolific and uh, wonderful recording career. And in the mailbag, a reminder, if you don't hear from me in a couple of days, email it again to Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, looks like the spam filter's working pretty good, and I'm not uh, losing too much, but, you know, you never know. All right, going back to last week's show with Caitlin, uh, Law Dog, Robert Lawing says, Enjoyed the show tonight. Nice to hear Jeff and also listen to Caitlin's story. And very happy to see a younger person doing pipe repair and restoration. And uh, and that's coming from somebody, uh, the law dog, who's uh, restored and uh, cleaned up a few pipes in his lifetime. Uh, Crash the Gray says, I wasn't sure about this Ask a Pipe Maker segment leading up to it, but Jeff made it very interesting. Fantastic interview. I may make pipes, but I trust Caitlin to restore estate pipes. They are two separate and distinct skill sets. And I'm thrilled she is continuing the time-honored tradition. Among many others, she restored my oldest K-Woody, a 1927 Stinger with push tenon before the screw-in was developed. Back then, the Stinger was so large as to fill the whole shank, so it takes care to get everything fixed right. I'm always impressed with her attention to detail and her ability to bring some pipes back from the brink of death. We are proud to have her in Briar Nation, and it made me very happy that you choose that you chose to interview her. A nice music selection. I enjoy when you share your favorites. Glad you liked it. Yeah, the music. Yeah, music is uh, music is the background to my life. Uh, and then Casey Ghost says, "Good show, though the pipe parts might been the best part." Uh, I thought the Ask the Carver section might have more to it than just one question. Unfortunately, I don't carve pipes, so I kind of spaced out on that part anyway. (laughs) Uh, Nice interview with Caitlin. I couldn't figure out whether she was a real repair person at all or just a refurbisher with some modest repair skills. Well, uh, I'll respond to uh, several of the questions in there. One, I think, uh, well... I think she's got some uh, she's got some good re- some mad re- refurbishing skills and can do some repairs. Um, can't uh, can't vouch for anything yet, but I do plan on sending her some pipes to clean up. And uh, the ask the uh, pipe maker segment is going to be uh, one question every couple of weeks. We've got about uh, five or six already recorded and ready to go, and they'll kind of supplement in during the pipe part segment. Although if we uh, start getting some long-winded questions, it uh, you know may end up as a uh, as a part of the uh, the main interview segment. Never know, never can tell. But uh, I am enjoying the uh, I'm I'm enjoying talking to Jeff and and getting the inside scoop on some things that I really didn't know or understand, uh, or getting his opinion on stuff that I thought I knew or understood. Uh, and then uh, Adam writes, going uh, way back to November 6th, and he to the show on November 6th, but he just recently wrote in, uh, I listened to this November 6th show earlier this week, getting caught up on a few missed episodes, and I have to say this was a real standout for me. I loved hearing Sykes talk about meeting Harriet McDougal and acquiring her late husband's pipe collection. Jim Rigney, better known as Robert Jordan, is my all-time favorite novelist, and I'm currently on my third reading of his epic Wheel of Time series. I've heard several pipe smoker reference uh, several pipe smokers reference the works of Tolkien as being influential in their decision to pick up the pipe, but for me, it was Jordan. Pipe smoking is enjoyed by several of his characters, and there are multiple references to pipes and quality tobacco, or tobacco as he referred to it in his books, throughout the series. He always mentioned pipes in his About the Author page as well, and he quotes, uh, He enjoys the outdoor sports of hunting, fishing, and sailing, and the indoor sports of poker, chess, pool, and pipe collecting. Uh, It was a very sad day for me when I heard the news of his passing. He was always very good to his fans, and I enjoyed reading his blogs and replies to us when we commented. I only took up pipe smoking a year ago, so I missed out on 
on any opportunity that there may have been to acquire any of his pipes that smoking pipes may have had for sale. Since I, since I started smoking, I've often wondered what Mr. Rigney's pipe collect, what became of Mr. Rigney's pipe collection. So it was good to hear about it. One question I have, I don't know if it may have been mentioned off mic or if not, if there's any way you could ask Sykes, I've been wondering what Mr. Rigney enjoyed smoking. Did he have a favorite blend that he enjoyed and smoked almost exclusively, or did he stay with a particular family of tobacco styles? We know that Tolkien and C.S. Lewis enjoyed Capstan and Three Nuns, so what did Robert Jordan smoke? So here's the answer, because I got on the phone with Sykes, and we pounded our heads of you know trying to figure it out. Uh, to the best of our knowledge, uh, Robert Jordan lived in Charleston, and lived in the downtown historic area. And the best we can figure out is that he went to the local tinderbox store that is no longer there, uh, closed after, uh, after his death. And he liked a English blend that they made. Uh, I don't think uh, either one of us can recall whether or not it was a heavy English, but uh, it was just, there was just bulk, uh, there were bulk tinderbox bags in his office that Sykes remembers seeing. And it was just a light to medium bodied English from the tinderbox in Charleston. So there you go. Uh, that's all the, all the details we have on that. Uh, remember if you have any comments or questions, you can post them on the pipes magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com. You can email me directly, Brian at pipesmagazine.com. Or you can uh, post them on Facebook like uh, Adam did, and uh, you know I'll I'll try to remember to grab them as they come up. I promise. Uh, if you have any travel-related questions, Brian.Levine at mei-travel.com or Brian at pipesmagazine.com. Just get the message to me. I am happy to help. And remember, when you use me for your services, you don't pay any extra for me. I get paid by the companies that you end up booking with it doesn't cost you any more to use me it's a extra level of protection because i've gone through four or five months of training on uh, to become a travel planner and there's some tricks that i can help you with there's some time saving things that i can help you with and even if you just want some advice i'm happy to give the advice no questions asked doesn't cost anything at all if you book with me then that's great. I get paid by the places or the cruise line or the company that you booked with. So if you're going to Disneyland, Disney World, if you're going to Florida for anything, if you're going on a cruise or you want to find out about going to Europe, ask me first and uh, I might be able to save you some time, money, and uh, make sure that you maximize the uh, value of what you're about to spend on your precious vacation for your memories. And if you could, please leave a rating or a review for us on iTunes and uh, uh, iTunes and Stitcher. We would appreciate that. Also, remember, JDRF Auctions. Again, email me with whatever you've got. And, uh, you know, if, you, uh, if you're friends with somebody, email me. You know, let's, let's shake some stuff loose because uh, one of the reasons we didn't quite do it last year was the, uh, you know, the market's in a tough spot. So some of the manufacturers... It's a little tough for them to help out, but we would greatly appreciate whatever we can raise. I think to the best of my knowledge, I think we have raised about uh, $11,000 in five years of auction. So that's absolutely wonderful. And we want to keep that up. All right. Rant time coming up in just a minute. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Cowboy. Cowboy. My cable company may fire me. 
Yeah, my cable company is Spectrum, which used to be Time Warner Cable, but because of some cocked-up merger, had to get changed into Spectrum or something, and anyway, it hasn't gotten any better. Uh, but they may fire me because they may get mad at me and be done with me because every time there is an outage of service, whether it be cable or internet, every time there's an outage of, outage of service, I call in and report the outage. Every time after the outage comes back up, I call in and I ask for the billing department. I now know this routine. I call in, ask for the billing department, and ask for at least a half day or a whole day credit for the outage. Now, the credit doesn't amount to much. It might be $2, $4, whatever it is, but the processing fee, you know, the processing time on their side and the fact that it does hit them in their wallet means that they better improve their service. I don't have any other real viable option here, so all I'm going to do is be a thorn in their side. Now, fast forward to this uh, to this past January here, and apparently Spectrum got into a pissing match with Trinity Broadcasting over the rebroadcasting fees that Trinity wanted for their stations. The only station that I know that uh, that affected me was WGN, which has uh, Married with Children and MASH, two shows that I like to watch sometimes at night. Well, they went into a pissing match and pulled pulled WGN from their channel lineup. Uh, I got on the phone with them after they got it back after about three weeks and said, how about a credit on my account? Because I wasn't getting the full package that I wanted. And they said, oh, we can't do that. And I said, sure you can. You can put a credit on my account. You can figure out exactly how much that one channel I was paying for, which I figured was about $1.25 of my total bill, and you can put it on my account. Well, this is a battle that is not going to be won easily because they don't know how to do this because I don't think anybody's ever come to them before and said, look, you're in a pissing match and I'm not getting this service, so I want a credit for it. If it was HBO or one of the pay channels, that'd be easier because they know exactly how much that is. But anyway, my suggestion to all of us out there is that if you're not getting the service that you're paying for, call the company and hassle them until you get a credit for it or just call them and hassle them and Make them spend more money than they should on fixing their problems. There you go. Again, comments or questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. I want to thank uh, Ludwig for taking time out of his uh, California trip to hang out on the phone with me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather happy Thank you for listening. Please leave a message after the beep.